We're Robert and Liz White, by the way, and we're glad to be here with you tonight to tell our story. Liz and I have been married for 40 years. We have four married daughters and six grandbabies. Just like you, we've had problems we didn't anticipate or handle well. Our backgrounds did not prepare us for the challenges we would encounter in marriage. We both grew up feeling entitled to have most of our life go our way. God would show us another way. So I'm going to begin our story. I grew up in a loving and secure and fairly privileged home and family. Um, I'm the middle child between two brothers, and our parents raised us with a strong moral code and emphasized the importance of giving back to the community around us. And we, we attended a church, but I didn't really hear. Uh, they taught values, but I didn't hear about Christ or my need for salvation. So when I was 15 years old, some fairly, three really big events happened that year of my life. First, my parents went through a very caustic divorce involving several custody suits and splitting up my brothers and me. At that time, it's hard to believe now, I didn't know anybody whose parents were divorced or even separated. Um, it just seems strange thinking about that. But in the midst of that rocky time, I just started high school. And there I met this really handsome guy, two years older than me, and miles ahead in relationship experience. Um, and after five or six dates with him, I remember thinking, this is the guy I'm going to spend my life with. Now, I guess that's the way 15-year-olds think. But I kind of find it amazing uh, that my intuition then turned out to be true because this is the guy sitting right next to me 45 years later. The third and most significant thing, uh, event, happened a few, a few months later. With the recent trauma in my family, I began wondering if there really was more than just being a good person. And I wondered if God really did exist and if he really did care about me. And in the midst of that very tumultuous time, the Lord revealed himself to me, and I began a personal relationship with Christ. I also grew up in Dallas, actually just a few miles away from Liz. I was the youngest of four, learned a lot from just watching my older brother and two sisters. Mostly, I learned what not to do. Uh, by, by the time I reached high school, my parents spent much of their time traveling, leaving me at home. Everybody else was gone, trusting that I would make good decisions. With this, freeze, with this freedom, I was into all the things you would not want your teenager involved in. I was ready by the time I was 17 that Christ could rescue me from myself. And the Lord put a godly man in my life who introduced me to Christ. God began to deal slowly, very slowly, with my destructive behavior. At that point, Liz and I had dated about five years on and off. And while Liz was a sophomore in college, uh, I graduated from SNU and started my first job, which involved lots of travel on the road. I became lonely. I was tired of being single. And one weekend, out of the clear blue sky, I asked her to marry me. It was a complete surprise to her and uh, maybe to me too. Much to the dismay of her parents and most of her college friends, we were married at the end of her junior year. So I love being married. 
but I wasn't very good at creating a home. Remember, I'm only 22 at that point, and I'd been living in a dorm and a sorority house, and meals were served and trash was taken out, and I thought I was really capable at most areas of life, and, and very little failure led to a prideful heart in me. Um, when I couldn't meet Robert's expectations, I became defensive and defeated, and I didn't really like a guy controlling decisions that I wanted to make for myself, so I'm really still pretty immature in the Lord at that point, and I resented him for it. Um, my pride kept me focused on Robert's behavior without seeing my own inadequacies. So if we were going to be a team, both of us needed lots of practice at moving away from our own self-interest and towards supporting one another. Philippians 4.2 says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also consider the interest of others. So three years in, our first daughter's born, and I would love being a mom. But as anyone will tell you, children do not fix the issues you have. They magnify them. So after our second daughter was born, it was hard for me to try to manage Robert's overwhelming expectations of me and to care for these girls. And in the midst of that time, um, our workload doubled. We found out that we were having twins. I had a lot to learn about limits. I was a husband, father of two, with twins on the way. I was serving as an elder at my church and working very hard in my real estate business. I was so pressed to juggle all the balls in the air that I felt crazy inside. My fear of not being able to keep it all going made me an angry person. Much of my anger was focused towards Liz. It took very little to trigger me. I constantly had a case against her. My behavior caused her to feel like she had to walk on eggshells much of the time. Around year six of our marriage, our relationship started to crumble. Counseling helped me to see that I required too much from everybody, especially Liz, in order for my life to work. I so wanted to have all the control rather than giving it to the Lord. And with all my pride and arrogance, my Heavenly Father decided it was some time uh, to do some refining in my heart. Hebrews 12.5 says, Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he tells us not to faint when we are reproved by him. Sometimes God has to knock out all the props before we understand what he wants for us. In my early 30s, my father dropped dead of a heart attack. My business fell apart as a result of the real estate crash. And Liz uh, delivered our premature twin girls just 10 days after we buried my dad. And just as my business world was falling apart, so was my ability to handle my family. I became physically and emotionally unavailable to her as the weight of my circumstances bore down on me. It was then that God began to perform a deeper heart change in me. So we're juggling all this stuff we've just talked about. And I walked outside one morning to the garage to take the trash out. And I discovered Robert still in the car. And he hadn't started the engine. And he was unable to move, and meaning he just physically felt frozen. And he was dreading the office and issues waiting for him. And the pile, the pile in our life had just become too overwhelming. Both of us were so focused on the demands of life that we missed some of the 
warning signs, um, and all the stress caused Robert to fall into a serious depression. I felt the pressure to keep the household running and support Robert as he worked to piece back his world. Looking back, I can see the Lord was training me to rely on him, the Lord, my Heavenly Father, instead of my unusually capable husband. Um, Robert needed my support, not my unsolicited opinions and advice. Um, and as tough times usually do, we were able to get back on solid ground through some great counseling and wonderful, faithful friends and community. But an even greater challenge lay ahead of us. We discovered that one of our beautiful twin daughters was born with a chemical imbalance, resulting in severe bouts of depression and emotional distress from an early age. She was faced with this emotional instability for all of her growing up years, and uh, she would courageously deal with ongoing anger, sadness, and hopelessness. It was devastating not to be able to relieve her misery. By the time our daughter reached 15, her daily existence was so difficult that she asked us to find a place where she could receive better care. She was burdened with such mental and emotional turmoil that the option of death itself offered a kind of release. Hoping to offer her some relief, we placed her in a residential care facility in Denver where she could live, attend school, and receive daily emotional support. Our family and our marriage was so worn thin by that time, uh, we couldn't seem to get past the grieving and sadness uh, and everything that had happened up until she went away hadn't been dealt with. And uh, so we understand firsthand how couples with uh, problems like this just become hopeless and just quit trying in their marriage and uh, just move on. So our family had delayed dealing with the impact on ourselves, uh, the rest of us. We were reeling with these pent-up emotions and we were trying to process the effect on our marriage, trying to acknowledge the impact on our other three girls, and continually visiting the fourth daughter in Denver. Um, when she returned home a year later, we'd like to say that everything was much better, but in reality, our circumstances did not improve. Difficulties in school for her, bad boyfriends, hurting herself, um, and a few years later, two suicide attempts left us on a level of empty that challenged our marriage and our walk with the Lord. Our daughter's struggles taught me to be a very good advocate for her during that time, but the Lord had to teach me to take care of me. And I learned two very important lessons. Um, oddly, the first one comes from uh, the instructions on an airplane, the emergency instructions, and they say in the event of a sudden loss of pressure, the oxygen mask will automatically fall down, put yours on first. Y'all have all heard that. Um, then help others around you. So, lesson number one, taking care of yourself is not a selfish act. It's actually the opposite. We must first be equipped in God's power and strength and perspective, or we will be pulled under by the very people we're trying to help. The second, um, well, if you're familiar with the drawing a circle around yourself and work on everybody that's in it, that's you, then this, will, this, will, this is where this comes from, in my opinion. Uh, Psalm 139, 23, uh, and this was the second lesson. Oh God, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
see if there be any hurtful way in me. So looking at me, I'm still learning to examine the state of my own heart first. I still mess up on that before I try to exhort him or encourage him in another direction. Still learning. That's the key word there. Um, it's so much easier to cast blame on your partner, especially when you're hurting, and try to fix others than to look at your own stuff. As for me, my circle, I felt like I was in a pit that was impossible to escape. I couldn't understand why the Lord would just barely allow us to make it through each day. And it was crushing to realize how many years this had been going on. I felt powerless to help my unstable daughter and to lead my family well. Maybe you've been in this place with your own troubles. Uh, God's comfort and truth came to me in Psalm 40. King David wrote this psalm after he'd been delivered from serious distress. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the mud and mire and set me on solid ground. Now, me, I didn't want to wait patiently. So a lot of this was God teaching me to learn to wait patiently. I had a really hard time dealing with a daughter that couldn't make life work. I released much of my anger with the Lord on my wife and my other three girls. In my mind, it was just too much to handle. Regarding parenting, Liz and I couldn't agree on what to do, and I would feel threatened when she wouldn't follow my take on a particular situation. After a while, you quit getting angry, and you just quit engaging. Here's your, here's your last part. But God did not give up on me. He lifted me out of the mud and mire of the pit and set my feet on solid ground. So after many years of dealing with this family crisis, on top of the other just issues of life, the Lord has shown us that he is big enough to handle our mix of fears and doubts and anger and disappointment. It also became clear that asking why is such a big waste of time. Instead, ask how. How can I keep going when my strength is completely gone? How do I respect my husband when he's so mean to me? How do I trust you, God, with so many fears for my daughter? Or finances, or health, or whatever your issue is. Over and over, the Lord has impressed me to stay in his word, to live in, under the protection of his truth. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who abides in me and I in them that one bears much fruit. By God's incredible grace, our daughter who struggled for 26 years is doing fairly well. And God, in that same grace, continues to teach us new lessons and gives pop quizzes on the ones we thought we had down. So here's one more example. I discovered some unhealthy, I developed some unhealthy ways of coping over those years um, in relating to Robert. And... Uh, Living in chaos will, might do that to you. It did for me. And so uncontrollable behavior and emotions created a real high level of vigilance in me. 
and I live with this constant antenna up. And Robert's kind of a shoot-from-the-hip kind of guy, a visionary. He's willing to take risks. But my desire for control and calm and steadiness and avoidance of trouble causes me to anticipate instability and then attempt to control the outcome. Well, I became directive and controlling towards Robert, and that communicates, I don't trust you, and I know how to do it better. So over and over, I've been humbled by my inability, really my lack of trust in God to lead through Robert. I'm still working on this. First <laughs> um, Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore. Quit thinking you're better than God. That was my take. And under the mighty hand, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. So once I acknowledged who I was really letting down, my heavenly father, I began to seek the Lord's approval over my action and and responses to Robert. And I can't depend on Robert's stability or his behavior in order to live with him in a respectful, God-honoring manner. But I will say, it sure does encourage me when he's working on his part as well. So there's a picture we're going to put up. This picture represents how many people are directly affected by our marriage. Getting better is really important. You may not have a troubled child or a depressed and demanding spouse, but you might have something that intensely challenges your marriage and your faith. And if you do, you're probably tired of asking for relief and waiting on God, wondering whether he is strong enough to transform your life and marriage. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. We want to continue to provide encouragement to as many hurting couples as we can to tell them what it looks like to be out of the pit. We love seeing you here working on your issues in order to find renewed passion for each other. Hopefully, someday, you'll have the privilege of sharing your story of hope and grace. Thank you.